Welcome to the Seven Hills Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Gould. With me today is Joe Fundacaro. Joe is the owner and principal of Seven Hills Capital Advisors. Joe, thanks for joining us here today. Thank you. Um, here it is November. We're sort of winding things down and um, markets have been like all over the map for, for a <laughs> while now. Um, I thought maybe we could just review a few things and get your take on where you think things are going. Yeah. S&P's up about 12% now. Bonds, amazingly, have jumped up a little bit. They're up about a half percent for the year after having some just amazing losses Atrocious. in 2022. Yeah. Money markets and CD yields are are up above 5% mm-hmm. now for the year. Mm-hmm. Inflation is really sort of staying down a little bit. Yeah. You know? It's really um, cooled from that really high, high you know, of 22. Yeah, it's, it's way down from where everybody feared it might yeah. be, right? It was touching 9% at one point, which is kind of unbelievable. So, but now they're saying, depending on who you listen to and what your metric is, it's, it's yeah. below four. So getting close to what the Fed talks. So to me, as like Joe Average Investor, uh-huh. um, the market seems to be sending me mixed messages right. and there doesn't seem to be a clear path forward right. here. Right. Help guide me through <laughs> this me? and <laughs> yeah. tell me what some of these numbers mean and read the tea leaves a little bit for me yeah. and tell me where we're going. I think... W- we can and probably will do a whole episode on what it's like when the government gets mired in quantitative easing over a long period of time. Can they ever get out of it? Right. And you just wonder if with our government providing the safety nets for the last three crises, right? 2001, 2008, well, especially 2008 and then, yeah, and then COVID, one. can they ever get out of it? Right. So stay tuned for that one. Markets indeed um, up again after a pretty cold year last year, especially if you were a growth or technology investor down 22%. Now that segment is up a lot. Bonds swinging from a loss of, they were down 5% as of a month ago. Now bond total returns up um, slightly above zero. It's at a half percent, like you said, for the year. So a big change for bonds there. Money markets and CDs will just simply reflect where we are with interest rates. So they're remaining high because the Fed has not signaled any kind of cuts. So again, we're talking about the Fed and all of these correlate in some way, especially heavily with bonds and cash to what the Fed is trying to do to mm-hmm. tamp down inflation. Stocks sailing along, I think, showing us that the economy is in the U.S. is is pretty resilient, if nothing else. You know, I think we worry that the economy is going to just tip over the table edge into a recession if the wrong things happen. Mm-hmm. I think we're pretty resilient. Um, so hanging in there again. There's also there also was a lot of liquidity from the from the immediate post COVID economy. More liquidity drives the markets. So with a lot of liquidity, corporations could borrow cheaply. Sales were good. Revenue was high. You saw revenue growth for these companies, for the S&P coming out of COVID. So a lot of liquidity pushed up stocks. Have they gone up a little further than a lot of people expected? Well, I I think that's probably a fair statement. And again, bonds, cash yields, so on and so forth, all heavily correlated to what the Fed is doing, especially with cash and money market yields. Um, So watching the Fed intently to see how it affects the non-equity side. 
maybe that's a segue into question number two. Yeah. What, what's yeah. the Fed going to do? Right? Yeah. What is the Fed going to do? Yeah. Good question. Um, you know, the Fed, when they started raising, that was the big question is, okay, how is, even when they just started raising the Fed funds rate, right? The overnight rate that banks charge each mm-hmm. other. Um, as soon as they started the policy of tightening, the question was always, well, how soon are they going to be able to cut? Or how soon can they cut or will they cut? So we were already talking about the falling interest rate market before we had even really started going up the staircase. (laughs) So now we've, you know, they've raised rates, I don't know how many times in the last 18 months. They've paused, they've they've committed to pausing here twice. Good sign, tapping the brakes. I don't think the Fed could, I don't think the Fed will say we're done. I think they'll always have to be cagey because if they were to commit to a rate, the bond market and to a certain extent, the stock market would immediately reset to that. Here's what everything is worth because of that rate. So the Fed will have to be cagey there. So what I've been saying to some people answering the question is, well, the falling interest rate environment, which might trigger a a nice run for bonds, I don't think we're going to know we're there until we're kind of in it already. You know, I think it'll be the second or the third inning of the ballgame where we say, okay, we, th- I th- we think we're there, right? Um, so that's the big question with the Fed. I think that most of the interest rate hikes seem to be behind them. That's at least what I'm getting from some of the largest bond fund management firms that, that I kind of rely on, mm-hmm. notably Prudential, PIMCO, Guggenheim. All of them say, again, go back to the baseball analogy, if this is a nine-inning ballgame of raising interest rates, we're in the bottom of the eighth. So hopefully getting close there. And that would probably be a boon for stocks as well. The consumer reaction to that hasn't necessarily followed the script, it doesn't seem like. (laughs) Right. Consumer confidence seems to still be pretty high. Mm -hmm. We haven't had really a significant number of layoffs Mm -hmm. that I think you know, the Fed was really kind of predicting would probably happen as Mm -hmm. interest rates got higher, money got more expensive. What the heck's going on, man? (laughs) Right. Yeah, that's a great question. And it's kind of a mystery, right? Because you you clearly hear stats like, okay, household debt, all-time high, right? Um, Consumer debt, which is almost to say household debt, but consumer debt, I think there they mean credit cards, auto loans, things like that. Consumer debt, all-time high. And, and all the, the interest rates on all the variable loans have come way up, right? So now they're paying more on credit cards and, and, mm-hmm. and, and home equity lo- lines of credit and things. So if Joe Sixpack is tapped out, how come we haven't seen any of that translate into the economy yet right. or the job yeah. market? Haven't heard a clear answer on that one. Um, and so that's one of the vagaries out there. If we think the interest rate tightening cycle might be coming to an end, yeah. um, if we might tip into a recession, but stocks will likely be okay for the long run again. Um, but what's going on on Main Street is a tough, tough call. Um, it'll be really interesting to see what holiday sales will be like. Yeah, if, I was if, just just thinking that. Yeah. If the consumer says, you know what, this is the year that the folks on Main Street really finally cut back, or will they say, well, let's have one big last hurrah, <laughs> and 2024 might be really ugly. But But for now, really hard to explain how the consumer in the, the U.S. has not really cut back because there's just been a tremendous amount of demand, goods, services, especially discretionary travel, airline tickets. We've had this travel boom. Um, the retail yeah. sales at all the major retailers are hanging in there. So good one to watch, but no clear answer there. It also seems that, again, despite the, the raising interest rates, mm-hmm. that corporate profits are 
doing exceptionally well. True. Like true. any number of companies are just setting record profit levels. True. Um, how do you, how do you sort of like justify that? And let's bring it back to home. Mm-hmm. And what's that mean to Joe Sixpack again? Investor. And how, how do I take advantage of that? Right. We have seen this year. And what I think we will, well, I think we will really see a lot next year is a slowdown for corporate, corporate earnings is in the cards for us next year. As a lot of, as a lot of larger firms that we kind of look to for guidance there are opining now. Um, we'll see what we call a risk on market. You know, and so we have, we use the term risk on and risk off. And a, and a risk off market is where the market is really kind of behaving in a reactionary way to something totally outside of it, right? So for instance, conflict in Ukraine or in, in Israel right now, the markets haven't been affected by those at all. But if they were, we would say that's a risk off market. There's no explanation for the market going up or down because of what's going on in Ukraine, so on and so forth. But a risk on market is where, is where we, um, we can tell that the market is kind of behaving relative to what's happening to it itself. So in other words, the stock of company ABC has gone up because they're doing well or they're suffering because the, their company is, is not. Um, or if you get a, a basket of stocks in the same industry. So if you look at you know, all the big box retailers, Target, Kohl's, Costco, Walmart, so on and so forth, everyone with a retail footprint, you know, if these three companies are doing well and their stocks are going up and these three aren't and their stocks are going down, Risk on market, right? The good are getting rewarded. The ones that are struggling, stocks are selling off. And we, you got to love that, you know, because it makes the homework easy, you know? It, so it seems a little more predictable. <laughs> makes a little bit more predictable. But you could see, especially through a strange time with COVID, then the reopening, then this high interest rate phase we're in where the Fed actually needs to slow the economy down, cut the money supply. If a company can navigate that, manage through that, or if, if they are set up so that they can, they can keep doing what they're doing through those kinds of cycles, you know, um, that again, that shows you, hey, really good, durable company, well-run, they can execute through tough times, so on and so forth, and, and still make it. So it, it kind of makes the job a little easier there to say, uh, hey, we can water the flowers and pull out the weeds, so to speak, as, as Warren Buffett likes I like to that. say. Yeah. Well, maybe thinking a little bit more specifically, yeah. um, looking at certain sectors of the market, yeah. are, are there sectors that you know, are maybe surprisingly doing really well yeah. or some that are maybe surprisingly not doing as well as you might think? Yeah. Um, hasn't been a whole lot of surprises this year, although everyone, we, we keep going back to these these magnificent seven tech stocks. You know, it used to be the big four, the FANG, right? There were only four of them. And then there were five, you know, there's F-A-A-N-G, right? And so now it's the magnificent seven, you know, Apple, Alphabet, Amazon, Netflix, Google, Facebook, now Meta, Microsoft, right? So I think the surprise for people again is say, gee, the magnificent seven once again, you know, leading the market back up. Now, a lot of them struggled last year. So I guess we shouldn't be too surprised at, at the recovery, really. Um, but no, I think the AI boom in tech has left a lot of people wondering, are we setting ourselves up for the, the, the sequel to the tech bust of 2001 mm-hmm. yeah. um, or 2002? Um, not quite so sure there. Certainly a lot of hype around AI. It's the next thing there. 
uh, it's the next big thing, I suppose. And it's here already, really. So it's right now. Time will tell again to see who's going to be the clear winners there. I don't think it's a stretch at all to say that if you if you express your AI bet by buying Amazon, Microsoft, a couple of chip companies, Alphabet, so on and so forth, you're you're going to win there. Um, they'll just they're just in the position they have the capital strength to invest in it um, to come out ahead, and they already are. Um, so some surprising things there. What I think has been surprising to me is that some of the defensive industries that I like to rely on to hit singles and doubles in that portfolio. Healthcare and consumer products have gone sideways this year. Um, healthcare really has kind of struggled the last couple of years. Um, a little unusual, you know, usually the healthcare sector has a bad year. The recovery year is pretty much imminent, right? Here we've had a couple of years where it's kind of gone a little sideways. Healthcare stocks were not necessarily too expensive, but maybe that's an opportunity to, to, to enter that market or to buy some shares there. Um, same thing with consumer products. Obviously, consumer products have, they did really well coming during and coming out of COVID. And, and by consumer products, I'm talking about consumer staples, right? So these are the things we need as opposed to consumer discretionary, the things we want, sure. right? So consumer staples, potato chips, diapers, food and beverage, the stuff you have to have. A couple of the indexes that we used for for consumer staples have Procter, Coke, Walgreens, Walmart, the usual suspects, General Mills, General Foods, things like that. So consumer products are down about 5% on the year. Um, Again, recovery in consumer products stocks tends to be rather quick, especially if the economy slows because investors will say, okay, I'm going to sell my speculative stuff and go into the tried and true, Mm -hmm. even if it's boring. Boring is good. So I think that that's been a surprise on the downside is consumer products and healthcare. Um, but I, I see no reason why an investor wouldn't want to own those industries, not just for 2024, but over the long haul. But maybe right now is not a bad entry point. Let's switch gears just a little bit. Let's talk about what's happening with the bond market and where do you see that going? Right, right. So, you know, I, I like to say that Interest rates are to bonds what the dog is to his leash, right? The pricing in the bond market all has to do with the 10-year treasury bond. It's par, Mm -hmm. so to speak, to use Mm -hmm. the golf term, right? And so um, with with interest rates coming up, that's repriced bonds, right? So bond, bond yields have come up which is a way of saying that bond prices have gone down because yields and prices move inversely. Yeah. Okay. So, so we've seen bond values come down. Yields have come up. We've had this odd inverted yield curve, which is to say that shorter-term bonds are paying us a higher yield than longer-term bonds, which is not usually the way it is. Usually the longest-term bond pays yeah. us the highest interest yeah. Okay, to, to compensate us for the holding period. So, We've had this strange, strange interest rate environment where interest rates have risen and really quickly. You know, um, no one would have priced that in at all. So bonds lost in the double digits in 2022, and up until just this fall, they were at a loss for this year. The bond market had never had three losing years in a row ever until now. Right? They lost one percent in 2021, and then the double digit losses last year, and they were going to finished the year in the red again this year up until about a month ago. So that's blown a hole in a lot of portfolios, especially for more conservative investors, people that might be retired that rely on bonds for a little bit of safety and some yield. Um, Big problem there. However, um, with the Fed pausing here the last two times, 
with this sudden snapback in values, bonds swinging to the positive right now. And oh, by the way, we just saw that mortgage rates have fallen by a quarter percent here in the last, I think, two or three weeks. Largest interest rate change in in mortgages um, in something like three or four years. A couple years, yeah. So, okay, mortgage rates coming down, bond values coming up, yields going down a little bit, Fed pausing here a couple of times. Might we be getting close to this, you know, to... To, to the bottom there, you know, are we in the, in like that, like, um, you know, the folks at uh, Prudential said, are we in the, the bottom of the eighth of this bear market and, you know, maybe getting ready to see a change? I think it's getting close. What's the end point here? Well, they were so aggressive with the hikes that we've kind of gotten there quickly, right? So I would say at the very least, and I think my policy, our firm has, has is starting to tell our investors if you own bonds, let's hold them for now, as long as they're on the shorter end of the maturity spectrum, right? Shorter term bonds and bonds with a shorter duration, they are less affected by interest rate changes. So if we see another hike, your shorter term bonds won't move as much, right? Longer term bonds will. So let's make sure you're short, fairly high up in the credit quality. And just like stocks, we want to buy bonds when they're cheap, buy low. And Nice entry point now to start trickling in. in a little bit. So I think 2024 could be a good year for the bond investor to see some recovery in value, start to rotate cash into bonds, especially if your cash yields come down, which they will when interest rates begin to fall, um, and start to get some get some recovery. And what will be a good bond bond market run, but we won't know we're in it until. Mm-hmm. We've probably been in it for a little while. Yeah. So, so stay tuned there. I think bonds might really be your friend next year um, after a few years of really you know, not helping at all. And here we are almost at the end of uh, 2023. Can't believe I'm saying that. Right. But, <laughs> really. Um, you know, realizing everybody's investment strategy and investment portfolio is, is very personal, but in general, what kind of advice would you give me for what should I be thinking about and yeah. looking at and, right. and may, where should I put some of my, my discretionary funds these days? Yeah. Yeah. Good question. That's the million dollar question. Yeah. So, right. yeah. so I think on the equity side, technology is the growth driver of our economy. It, it just, ev- everything is a technology stock now, right? Yeah. Walmart um, Walmart's technology systems have transformed that company to the point where what you're seeing in the stores is everything being expressed by their technology, right? So if everything is built on technology now, th- that's the first place to start if you're a growth investor. Yeah. Um, I think the big tech theme is not going away, but I love the companies that have what we call essential technologies or technology as utility. So many of the technologies that we use from the Microsofts and the Googles, we're using them when we don't even know we're using them, you know? So those essential technologies that we, we, we can't remove from our day-to-day behaviors like Microsoft, Google in search and advertising, you know, Amazon has become the number one search engine for products now. So when people look up a product, hey, and I need to buy a new bowling ball, they're not doing a Google search anymore or anything else. They're going to Amazon first as a product search. So Amazon is becoming an advertising behemoth, which they never were before. So essential technologies, software, I think, is an awesome industry to to invest in. Spending on software is slated to increase by 17% next year amidst all of the areas of 
um, corporate spending that might be cut, software is a 17% because software builds efficiency. So software, semiconductors, that's going to be volatile. That's kind of like copper. You know, it kind of signals where the economy is headed. But um, we can stop building buildings, but chips constantly need upgrades and replacement, right? So, um, and with the fears over chip supplies, whether it's from Taiwan Semiconductor or overseas firms because of political Mm -hmm. risk or just simple materials, can't meet demand, so on and so forth, um, the whole thing is built on chips. So I think chips, software, essential technologies, um, those firms will take you, I think, where we want to go. If you can buy them cheap, that's great. It's hard to because their returns just keep chugging along. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think think technology is still the growth story in this country. Healthcare and consumer products, always your fallback or your go-to industries for low volatility, consistent returns. They'll hit singles and doubles for you. Um, it's rare that they will outpace the market in an up year. S&P goes up 20, they might go up 10 or 15. But if the S&P drops 20%, they might lose five or seven. That feels pretty good. you know. Um, and because they're not losing so much, even though they're not gaining as much in a given year, their long-term returns are actually really close to the market as a whole. So it's a nice low-risk way to get to a good return. Um, point. On the fixed income side, like I mentioned before, I think short-term high-quality bonds, corporates, collateralized debt, those issues I think are going to, those could see a nice turnaround last year. Some of the big fixed income managers are talking about how the prices are really good and the yields are excellent. You know, So if you can get a good short-term bond portfolio, low maturity and duration, some of the yields are 6.75 to 7% plus, not bad at all. Mm-hmm. If there's another rate hike or two, you might see a little volatility there. But if you can wait it out to say the end of 2025, you could have made a nice return there just by holding a pretty low risk investment. So um, start to open yourself up to bonds again. You know, It's like someone who yeah. just got dumped by his girlfriend <laughs> and just wants to mope. It's like, okay, you've moped. Now yeah. let's think about dating yeah. again. So maybe think about taking bonds out for a, a get, light dinner. Get back in the saddle. Get, to the, yeah. get back in the saddle. Yeah. Um, but while cash is paying you 4 or 5%, nothing wrong with that too. So, yeah. so cash still your friend. Stocks are your friend. Bonds start to open up there a little bit and maybe rotate a little bit from stock into bond if, if um, if we do kind of get into a, res- a recession or a slowdown, and we, we see some, you know, we see some earnings start to slip. So, anyway, there's some there's some yeah. things I think about when I'm looking at the so, window. So that's um, you know thinking about the future and yeah. you know sort of looking into our crystal ball and yeah. seeing what we think might right. be happening. Um, again, going back to this idea that it's near the end of the year, yeah. are there any, is there any advice you you give to investors to like what should I be doing to sort of like clean up you know are there things i can be doing looking yeah. at my portfolio and things business i should be taking care of right. as the year sort of right. draws to a close sure here. yeah so i think the first one that came to mind right away when you said year end is tax loss harvesting okay do you have in a non-retirement account you can offset a capital gain with a capital loss so stock a is up five thousand bucks stock b is down five thousand if you sell them both the loss and the gain cancel each other out. You don't have any reportable gain to the IRS. So, so you can use those things to kind of weed the garden, so to speak. You know, are there any stocks in there that are there any investments in your non-retirement account that have either done well, but their time has passed, or you've thought about calling it a little bit? 
Um, or are there any, and, or are there any losers in there where you say, you know what, I've given him enough time, you're out of <laughs> here, right? Um, think about using gains and losses to offset each other, okay? One, one item that's in there is, do you have a position in there that has done really well that's gotten really kind of, really too large for your taste? Um, do you own one stock that's done so well that now it's 20% of the total? And you say, you know, I'm, I'm a little uncomfortable. We call that concentration yeah. risk. Do I want a little less of that? Yeah. And do I have a loss here to offset some of the gain I would realize if I sold it? So a little math there maybe to see mm-hmm. if some gain mm-hmm. and loss harvesting would be good. I think another thing too, Greg, is if we look at 2018 and 19, well, 2018, good stock market year. And it kind of goes without saying good bond markets until 2021. 2018, decent market year. 2019, not so good. COVID happened in 2020. Stocks went through the floor and then finished up double digits, right? 21, 22, here we are in 23. You can look at those six years and say, how have my stocks and my bonds and my funds and things done over that six-year period? Six vastly different years from one another. Clearly, you know? yeah. And say, how has everything done there? And is there anything that really didn't do so well or, or, or just didn't shine That'll tell you a lot about how well a company is executing during hmm. all these ups and downs or, or how resilient something mm-hmm. you own is, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's a great time to do that. I do think one thing that, um, that we are taking a close look at now is any company, what does your debt structure look like, right? Do you have a lot of debt and, or does it mature soon? Because if it does mm-hmm. mature and you need to roll it over, you're going to, you're going to more than double your interest payments, right? So anything that's financially sensitive, um, be very careful now. Do, do some very careful now. Do some serious analysis to say how do these higher debt costs? Because we don't know the debt costs. Even mm-hmm. if the Fed starts cutting rates, we don't know how quickly debt costs will come down. Right. So take a look at your debt structure in the companies you own. If you own individual stocks, and if it's a low debt company, again, that's why big tech has seen we've done so well. They're not relying on debt. Another good year-end homework assignment to see, you know, how is how is the debt structure of the companies that I own going to affect them and affect possibly mm-hmm. my returns mm-hmm. over these next 12 months while borrowing costs stay pretty high? I think we covered a lot of ground. Yeah. We did. Yeah, a yeah. lot to talk about. But okay. no, I think there's our there's our view from 10,000 feet. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Seven Hills Podcast. For more information or to subscribe, visit Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast feed. For more information about our firm, please visit sevenhillscapitaladvisors.com. This podcast contains general information that is not suitable for every investor and should not be construed as personalized investment advice. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. There is no guarantee that the views and opinions expressed in this podcast will come to pass. Investing in the stock market involves gains and losses and may not be suitable for all investors. Information presented herein is subject to change without notice and should not be considered as a solicitation to buy or sell any security.